I got into the space and I was like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> I could do this. I can do this. I stood in the colored waiting section and I went through all of the segregated spaces and I just kind of listened to the building and walked through it. And I just felt like it was going to be, it was where I needed to be. It was absolutely where I needed to be. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. On this episode, we're headed to the Oak Tree Line Roads of Savannah, Georgia, to visit a formerly segregated Greyhound bus terminal turned restaurant, The Gray. I sit down with the co-owners of The Gray, James Beard award-winning chef Mashama Bailey and her business partner, John O. Morisano. My name is Mashama Bailey. I'm the executive chef and partner at the Gray Restaurant in Savannah, Georgia. And I'm happy to be here with you today, Kelly. My name is John O'Marsano, and I am business partners with Mashama Bailey in a couple of restaurants here in Savannah called the Gray and the Gray Market. We're about to open a couple more this summer in Austin, Texas. I asked Mashama to share her story of becoming a chef owner and what led her to build her career in Savannah? That's an interesting question, and I can go on for like hours about it. Basically, when I was in college, I became interested in really cooking. I think it was mostly ego-driven, quite frankly. I've always been sort of a quiet person, always like to stay in the background. And when I would cook, people would bring me out into the light, so to speak, to almost like take a bow almost. And not that I was like killing it like that back in the day, but it just felt that way. It felt really good. When I was in college, a group of us lived off campus, so we would have all these meals during the weekend, and we would have these gatherings. And that was sort of like the first bug that got me into cooking. But I graduated college. I got a degree in psychology. I started doing social work, and I was working in a group home. And then that itch started again, where we would do different office parties, and I would make things like candy dams or bake a sweet potato, bake a coffee cake or something like that. And people was digging it. I actually was fired from that job. And that sort of catapulted me into cooking. That was a part of it that really sort of like, I had nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. And I was sort of thinking about my passion. And so I started thinking about how good I felt when I would cook for people. And I wanted more of that. And I wanted to be trained in that. So I started cooking. And I cooked in New York City for several years. I worked at a catering place. I worked in small restaurants in Brooklyn. I ended up working at Prune in New York City. But the thing I think that really catapulted me to the South was before Prune. I spent some time in France and I worked in Burgundy on a chateau next to a farm and I really became in touch with Southern cooking. And for those of you who don't know, my whole mother's side of the family is raised in the South. We would travel on every vacation down to Georgia and spend almost every holiday with them. So I was always connected to Southern cooking, but being raised in New York City, there were so many other influences that 
I never really thought of myself as a Southern cook. And it wasn't until I went to France that I think I started to shift mentally in thinking about really permanently coming to the South to cook. Fast forward a few years later, worked at Prune, was a sous chef. Jono introduced himself to Gabrielle, and then Gabrielle made the introduction to Jono and business partners. And six years, seven years later, we're together writing books and on podcasts. <laughs> I love that. When you said that you were making coffee cakes and candied yams and bringing them to the office parties, I just wanted you to know when I worked in the corporate space and we had potlucks, I would look forward to having people like you who work with me who actually knew what they were doing. And it sounds like the type of cuisine you were bringing, it's like we say you put your foot in that. I know them candy yams tasted amazing. I was living for those compliments. <laughs> I was like, yes. Okay, here we go. It just really was a little bit of an ego thing. And also it just felt good. It felt good to be eating with a group of people and, you know, having compliments, quite frankly. I think if my food wasn't good, I probably wouldn't be doing this, obviously. But I think there was this encouragement for me to completely engage in this cooking process. And I was open to it. I was here for it. Yes, I actually really admire that. And I will say that you being fired is what in a way, it was a blessing because it forced you to go back to something else that made sense to you, that spoke to your passion, that spoke to your love and something that you could actually do very well and make a business out of it. So people always think when they get fired for something like, oh, it's the end of the world. You have no idea. That just may very well turn a page to what you really should be doing in life. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Totally agree. So Jono, Mashama touched a little bit on it, but how did you and Mashama become partners? And the reason why, you know, I want to bring this up for the audience, just for a little bit of context, Mashama is a black woman and Jono is a white man and they have a restaurant together in the South. I want to ask about how you guys became partners because I know that, you know, Mashama had a little bit of reservations about that. And so I just want to know what was the dynamic between the two of you to get to the partnership? I like to think it was my charming good look. <laughs> <laughs> Or fate, one or the other. But it was none of those things. It was actually dogged perseverance, frankly. I had this bus terminal. Like I was looking for, I was at an inflection point in my own life and career, not dissimilar to where Mishama was in hers. I just happened to be in my mid 40s when I kind of hit that point. I started to figure out something. Basically, I looked for a turning point in my life. And my wife and I had this investment property in Savannah that we were going to use in our retirement. And I decided to speed that up a little bit. And I went down to Savannah and started to look for opportunities and different things to do. The bus terminal, which houses the Gray, it was an abandoned Greyhound bus terminal. It was an, kind of an amazing example of an art deco space in the South and in Savannah. And there were very few of those it needed a preservation. And so I decided that I would take on the project of preserving this abandoned 1938 Greyhound bus terminal. And as soon as I closed on the building, I think that this secret desire I had had for most of my adult life to get into the restaurant business and be a restaurateur immediately came gushing out of me. So I decided to do that which was a crazy idea in retrospect. And my wife pointed that out immediately, what a crazy idea it was. But the uncrazy part of me was that I knew I needed a business partner to do it because I had never run a restaurant. I had only eaten in restaurants. I had never worked in a restaurant, but I was in love with them. I always kind of call myself a restaurant rat because 
if there's one place I'd rather be over almost anywhere else, it's eating dinner in a restaurant, inexpensive restaurant, great restaurant, hole in the wall, like all of them. I just love it. Coming to the good conclusion that I needed a business partner, I set out on a search for one. And I wanted that business partner to be somebody who could cook and somebody who knew sort of, I knew a little bit about running businesses, but I didn't know anything about cooking on a professional level, running a kitchen. And so I was looking for basically someone who was ready to make the move into the executive chef career of the executive chef point in their life and started to meet people who were ready to do that. And they were mostly people who looked just like me. They were white men. They had tattoos. They were just doing their thing. And I, I really felt that I needed somebody, if this was going to be a successful restaurant, I felt that I needed somebody who was opposite of me. And I was listening to the memoir of Mishama's former boss and mentor, Gabrielle Hamilton, who is one of America's great, great, great chefs with one of America's classic restaurants, Prune. And I had eaten at Prune, but I didn't know chefs by name back then. And so as I was listening to the memoir on a drive from Savannah to New York, I was like, oh, this is that lady who owns Prune. And by the end of the 14 hours of the drive and listening to her book, I was like, oh, I have to meet this woman because she runs her restaurant and her kitchen the way I do. She lives a life of diversity and inclusion. She just felt powerful to me. So I wrote her a letter and explained what I was doing. And she was very gracious and took a meeting with me about a month after I sent her the letter. And I told her my harebrained cockamamie plan. And she took some time, was thoughtful about it, talked to Mishama about it, and made the introduction between us. Wow. That is a great story. I love how you, there's some contrast is what I'm going to try to get to, described the building as beautiful and art deco for the Greyhound bus terminal that houses the gray. To hear it through that lens is very interesting because I what I'd love for you guys to do is tell us about the gray. You built this restaurant in a former Jim Crow era Greyhound bus terminal. And you know, that's a pretty bold statement to work in a space with so much loaded and at times, just to be honest, terrible history. Tell us about the thought process in reclaiming this space. Mashama, what does it mean to you as a black chef owning a space that used to be segregated? For me, the most interesting, like when I first met Jono, it was really warm. We hit it off right away. But I was a sous chef. I was sort of toward the end of my tenure at Prune, but I was basically writing a schedule and ordering food. I wasn't really running a kitchen. So when we met, I really was interested because, you know, it's like, all right, let's see. Yes, and okay, let's go to this interview. What can it hurt? Or let's meet this person. But the the clincher for me really to take the next step was not only was it in a Jim Crow era bus station, but it still had the same footprint. And, you know, looking at the plans of the building or looking at the building on the blueprint, 
it really, I just was so curious about going down there to see it because I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of a building like this still in its same footprint. There's been changes or people don't talk about the space in that way, but I never really looked at it as, I never really was in this segregated space where you can feel the areas and the signage is basically still there. And I just was like, oh, I have to get down and see this building because this is so interesting. It's a great opportunity, yes, but I feel like the building was was a draw for me. It was a huge draw for me. I got down to the space and I was sort of not convinced that I could actually take on this challenge because it was like 100 seats here and 20 seats up there and 25 seats around the corner. And then outside, we're going to put picnic bitches. And then the kitchen is going to be right here in this little room. And then we're going to do all this stuff. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. And I got into the space and I was like, oh, I could do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could do this. I can do this. I stood in the colored waiting section and I went through all of the segregated spaces and I just kind of listened to the building and walked through it. And I just felt like it was going to be, it was where I needed to be. It was absolutely where I needed to be. All of it, the opportunity of being an actual a partner in something and moving to another city, I was kind of open to all that stuff, obviously. But the draw, like what really kind of got me on the plane down to Savannah was to see the space. And honestly, that would have got me down on the plane as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that you you mentioned the exact verbiage that would be there, the colored section. For me, I'm very much a chestnut checkers type person. So if there's an opportunity for me to reclaim any type of space as a black woman that is normally not mine, I'm going to jump all over it, right? And so I could see myself getting on a plane just to fill the space too and to also mm-hmm. bring honor, bring yeah. a new day, bring yeah. a respected presence to a space where, frankly, we weren't respected. Right. Jono, in your wonderful book, Black, white, and the gray. You recount stories of dealing with white customers who are, shall we say, still stuck in the past. Are those incidents still happening or have things changed for the better? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I can answer whether or not things have changed for the better yet because we're in this moment in time where there's a lot of change and a lot of discussion going on. But Nishama and another person and I were talking about this the other day. It's like, How much of that is really taking hold? I think that is yet to be written. And you framed your question about the bus terminal in a really appropriate way, which is the terminal and the South and America, there's a really, really dark past that underlies all of those things. The fact that this thing was built in 38 and closed in 64 and Mishama or anyone who looks like Mishama would not have been allowed in the front door of it during the entire period it was open to now have Mishama running the restaurant is a step in the right direction. It's better. Whether everyone is receiving her and this change, Mishama likes to say that she's changing her own narrative by doing things like this. I think that those things are true. Are there still bigots and all that in the world? Yeah, of course there are. And one of the things we talk about a lot in the book as part of the conversation between us is our own biases and inherent biases and unconscious biases that you bring to not only a relationship 
of me, a white guy, and Michelle, a black girl, but to every relationship you have those biases, there's no way around them. Just sort of talking through them and having a dialogue that's open and honest is what Mishama and I have tried to do to make our own personal situations better between each other, between us and the team is the guy or the, the people who came in and say stupid racist to you, or it's not even racist or stupid veiled things to you. I think there's a lot of work to be done before that's really going to go away for real. After the break, it's all about the food as Mashama and Jono take us on a culinary tour of the Gray's Port City Southern Cuisine. Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. My guests are Mashama Bailey, the executive chef of the Gray in Savannah, Georgia, and her co-owner and partner, Jono Morisano. We've already heard about how Mashama and Jono partnered together to start the Gray. So now it's time to talk about the food. You guys describe the Gray's food as poor city Southern food. How would you describe this regional cuisine and what makes it special? Oh, it's so rich. It's almost forgotten. There are so many beautiful things that have migrated to this part of the world because of the water, because of the fact that there is food here. Like you didn't have to roam to find any food. The food is right in the marshes, like the oysters and the shrimp and the crabs. There's protein here. So people settled here because they could eat, they could survive. A lot of things, it's hard to grow here because of the weather. You have to rotate crops in a certain way because of the heat. And so you really, there has been some loss of things, but I think where we are now, there's a real opportunity to explore what other vegetables and foods that this region can grow or some things that they have once grown. I think that it's Port City Southern because it was settled and it was a major port and very early American history. So a lot of things have come here through those ports like pottery and like spices and pigs to be able to use those ingredients, use the fact that this was probably an international city for the most part, right? Those who could travel here, who was traveling, majorly traveling in the world back then and take that international, that my New York City international experience, it just seemed like a really good fit to describe not only how I'm looking at the food, but where the food can go and also where the food has come from. What would each of you say are some of your favorite local specialties? And Jono, I'll start with you. I'm going to say like what's going to sound like the most self-serving thing ever, but (laughs) there are like three or four restaurants in the world that I crave the food from and I think about all the time when I'm not eating there. And the gray is one of them. And I mean that objectively because Mishama will back me up. I am a harsh critic of what we do because I'm, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm just kind of a crazy person about... Let me chime in on that. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) It's not perfectionist. It's more... Fear of failure. Yeah, it's it's more fear. (laughs) (laughs) More fear-based and sort of integrity-based. Not that we don't do everything with integrity, but 
it's not really perfection. It's interesting because sometimes I kind of get the vibe like, oh, it has to be perfect. And then Jono's like, no, it doesn't. We just need to know what it is. I guess it's transparency. I don't know. Yes. Let me tell you, as a person who eats a lot of food, we don't know what's going on back there. If it tastes good and it looks good, it is good. Girl, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the saying is if the guest doesn't see it, it never happened. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, John, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. I, I, you know me. I like it. So, like, there's a couple of things that Mishama makes that I think are so simple and delicious. We used to have a farmer here who grew these incredibly perfect lettuces and they would come, you know, because it's so damn hot here, leafy greens grow in like January, February, March. And Mishama used to make this with Rafe's leafy greens, this salad that just had this broken anchovy dressing on it. That was really one of the best things I've eaten in the South and just simple and really, really good. And then some of those Southern staples that you hear about, like there's a restaurant in town. It's been closed since the pandemic. It's coming back, but it's called Nairobi's Grits and Gravy. I'd never understood the concept of liver and eggs as a breakfast meal. And that was kind of life-changing for me. <laughs> Heart attack-inducing, but also life-changing. <laughs> there is something like in every corner of the South, you know, crab boils. Mm-hmm. shrimp boils you know i grew up with similar things but different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and mashama what are some of your favorite local specialties <laughs> uh devil crab is one of my favorite things if it's on the menu i want to order it and try it i really like devil crab i think it's just really it's something i've seen my whole life and i never really get tired of it and it's different from a crab cake. It's more of a bake. It's spicy. And it's a little bit of a specialty here. But you don't really find it. Anything with crab. Crab rice, devil crab, that kind of thing I think is great. I really don't eat out as much as, as I should, actually. And so I think, you know, like Jono said, Nairobi is, is one of my favorite spots. It was one of my favorite spots. And I'm trying to think of where else I've been recently. Oh, I like all the quick and dirties. Like, I find all of the places where it's like a mother and her children <laughs> working at a restaurant. So there's this place that I took Jono to a few months ago. They make tacos. And it's like this little Mexican joint and people go in there for lunch. And we were in the area recording the audio for the book, actually. And we went there twice in four days. I like to find places like that. There's another Greek restaurant that's in the same area. And that was pretty good. We went there twice. (laughs) Listen, if you go any place twice in a week, (laughs) that means that the food is what I call hidden. So (laughs) to go and say, okay, we're gonna go back. That That's very, very telling. Mm-hmm. But I just learned a new term from you, Mashama. You said quick and dirty. So if it's like <laughs> a family owned business, is that what it is? Is that what a quick and dirty is? No, I mean, uh, my grandmother used to use that term all the time and it was for small places. There's not really a lot of indoor seating. It's almost like takeout, but you know the food is homemade, right? Got it. And so she would call that a quick and dirty. So you go in, you place your order, you sit in your car, you wait for your stuff, you get it, you take it home, and you don't have to cook anything. You don't have to mess up any pots, and you just kind of put some stuff on some plates. It was quick and dirty. You just kind of throw out your disposables and you keep it moving. 
I love that. I can think of several quick and dirties and tell grandmother if she is still here. Thank you for that term because it will be used. If not, it's in honor of her. Um, (laughs) I know several of those. That's actually an amazing term. You mentioned that regional cooking is one of the simplest ways to learn about a culture. What does your spin on Port City Southern food say about Savannah? I love that question. I think it says that Savannah is progressing. I think Savannah likes to be quiet and it likes its small townness with the expansion of the port and just the city in general. I think it's growing. And I think that what I want to speak to with the food here is that it is expanding and that it's worldly. There's a lot of rich, deep history here. A lot of it is dark, but not all of it is dark. And it's nice to expose all of it, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly through the food. And I think if we can help sustain local businesses through the restaurant by buying food and supporting local farms and just being a part of the local economy here. I think that this city is really on this growth pattern that they can no longer avoid. (laughs) Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. What are each of your thoughts on a restaurant's role to their local community? What does the gray give to people in Savannah? I think that your responsibility is to be honest about who you are and in your food and in your service. And I think that for us, the gray is, is really a reflection of Mishama and me wanting to contribute to Savannah and the South and the region, both through providing a place for Savannians, like the gray was always built as a local restaurant, but then also being involved in the community beyond just food and wine and service. Very early on before we opened, we talked about the causes that would be important to us if we were to be involved philanthropically, whether by providing space or food or whatever. And then sort of not doing it, like if you do it as a way to engage the community early on, because you think that's an easy way to trick people into thinking you're there for them, that's not going to work. I think that if you want to be a local restaurant, which is what we've always aspired to be, your commitment to the community has to be real. It has to be unwavering in good times and in bad times and be consistent in what people can expect from you, again, from a food and wine and service point of view, but also from a where are you going to be reliable for the community outside of those areas? We have always tried to do that. And I think that that's good advice for other restaurateurs and chefs who want to be a local restaurant. Savannah is known for the Southern live oak with the beautiful Spanish moss. Everyone thinks of Savannah and they think of these trees that are in groves and they're just so gorgeous. But there's so much more to Savannah than the live oak. What would you say is on your list of must-do experiences in addition to dinner at the Gray, what else <laughs> should we know about Savannah that we should partake in? I'm going to go first, and I can't vouch for this. <laughs> I just want to put a disclaimer out there. But I'm kind of corny, and I kind of like the idea of like this river 
boat cruise situation they got going on. <laughs> and so we were going to do it for a staff party, but it never happened. And I'm sort of dying to go on one of these river cruises where you have dinner or you can have like a little private party or dancing or whatever. So I would want to do that if I was sort of like with a group of people. And we have tons of like great local bars that we support and um, local businesses that we support. There's a business here called Satchel and they have really premium leather goods, female run, and it's a really smart, small business. Savoy Society is a great place to get a drink in the early evening. It's a fun, focused cocktail lounge here, which is really good. I can go on. Jono? Well, Michonne, if you hit all of the drinking spaces that I've never been to, (laughs) I think that one of the interesting things about Savannah is, and this is something that I did early on, and Michonne and I did a lot of as we were writing the book, is Savannah's like, it's an interesting city for what my expectations as a northerner was of the South. What I mean by that is Savannah is, to simplify, like 50% African-American, 50% white city. The white part of Savannah is broken down between a Jewish community, a Catholic community, and an Anglican community. And then you take Savannah College of Art and Design, which is a big influencer in downtown and historic Savannah. And you take all of those things together and you combine that with the way that it's laid out. You know, it's a really great example of a grid-like structure for a city. And if you start to then go one step further and think about the different churches that are sprinkled around downtown, First African Baptist, St. John's Catholic, Christ Church, you start to understand how Savannah ended up a more sort of progressive-minded place than most places you will find in the South. Now, it's got all of its problems and suffers from, you know, a lot of the things that America and the South suffer from, but there's lots of reasons why it's a little different here and why people like Mishamo or me or other Northerners or Midwesterners are attracted to here if all of those things are important to you. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, really worth delving into a little bit if you come to Savannah. Like, don't just look at the live oaks, but start to understand why it has become sort of a little bit of a leader in the progressive movement in the South. Also, Tybee Island. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And Huckapoos. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say I've been on one of those sunset dinner cruises. It's like in a steamboat, right? Where it's like the old <laughs> yeah, school. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I have done one of those in Savannah, and I recommend that you go and fulfill that that wish. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I could live to tell the tale. Yeah, go ahead and live to tell the tale. <laughs> But I I love what you just shared about Savannah. My time there was in some ways, it was whimsical, just very beautiful and like, and then you can't forget the history, which kind of snaps you out of that moment. Mm -hmm. So it's very much a mixed feeling in a place that has beauty in the landscape and in the buildings. And then the history, you're like, ooh, we just want it to be better, better now than then. And that's for Mm -hmm. sure. Totally. So you guys are opening 
two new restaurants in Austin, Texas this summer. What led to the decision to go to Austin? They approached us. The people, it's in a new Thompson Hotel that's being developed right downtown. So they came to us originally, actually came through the folks that do the design of our restaurants, Parts and Labor in New York City and Jeremy. They were working with this group and they came to us and we had been approached by different developers over the years and we kind of always said no. And we met with them and we really liked them. So that was sort of step one. Um, they're good people, right? And that's important to us at this stage of our careers that there be a fun factor in everything you're doing and it not feel like drudgery. Starting out with good people is the first step in that direction. And then we went and visited Austin and we were like, this is a good city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Savannah on a larger scale without the river and the sea, but it's got the culture and it's got the music and the art and the things that we love personally. My inclination was that Mishama's food is not, or the way Mishama cooks is not really represented there. So there was a space for us. That's kind of how we analyze, how I analyze it. And I was just like, oh, cool. This, <laughs> no, I was, I was just sort of, I think I went to the city and I really liked the city. And what Jono says is true that the, the uh, developers were great. We had dinner with them. It, it was just, Easy, You know, when you connect with someone and the walls are down almost instantly, it felt like that. It felt very easy. It felt like we were giving each other something and we weren't taking from one another. I think it's a good partnership that we'll, we'll have in Austin. Very much so. Austin is a very lively, lively city. And so mm -hmm. I love that you are bringing the gray to add to the liveliness <laughs> of Austin. What is your approach in bringing the gray experience and its philosophy to Austin? Mm -hmm. What type of stories are you hoping to tell in these new locations? I've been thinking a lot about that. And, you know, I'm very interested in what the migration was there. I'm talking about the enslaved and black migration, what that was there and how that can influence the food and also Native American and Mexican. I think there's a lot to pull from in that part of the world. And so I'm excited to not only see what they're doing and what they love to do and what sort of is defined as one of the more historical cuisines there, but I'm also interested to see like what's coming in new and how I can insert myself without changing myself. I think it's important for us to go there as the people we are, as the restaurant that we are, and be influenced by Austin and pull from that because we're so seafood heavy here. That's not going to necessarily be a thing there. But I do think that there are some classic dishes that we've been working on for the last six years that will really resonate there. And I think using the area as inspiration to add dishes to on top of that to just give a little bit of context really is the approach that I'm trying to take. The Gray Diner Bar and the Gray Market are scheduled to open in Austin in summer of 2021. This has been another episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm Kelly Edwards. Our guests were Mashama Bailey and Jono Morisano from the Gray in Savannah, Georgia, and soon Austin, Texas. Follow Mashama on Instagram at Mashama Bailey and Jono at Jono Morisano. Learn more about The Gray at thegrayrestaurant.com. You can find Mashama and Jono's memoir, Black, White, and The Gray, 
at booksellers everywhere. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Marvin Yu. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And you can find me at Kelly Set Go.